Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Lots to talk about today. We have a Waters of the U.S. court ruling we'll talk about with Don Parrish, Senior Director of Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. We're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance as the markets continue to react to the uh, delayed planting here in the spring of 2019. And we're going to take a closer look at that and some of the implications and some of the big decisions facing many farmers across the country. And we'll talk with a farmer in St. Joe, Missouri today, get an update on planting progress in that area. But we're going to start things off today, a check on the news with Phil Brasher from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start with disaster aid. Uh, it seems so close to passing, but then uh, we get a loan vote here, a loan vote there, and uh, it keeps getting blocked. What's the latest? Yeah, well, we'll try again uh, this afternoon. What what happened here is the uh, they, they reached this agreement uh, announced it uh, last Thursday afternoon. Uh, the Senate voted on it, passed it easily, 85 to 8, but, but the House members had already left. Uh, it uh, broken for their Memorial Day recess, which uh, runs all this week. And so the only way for the House to pass it was uh, by a voice vote, which requires bringing the bill up by unanimous consent, so that just one member of the House can prevent a voice vote in um, during uh, during this recess period, and that's what happened on Friday, and happened again on Tuesday, and it's quite likely to happen again this afternoon. You know, it's easy to criticize a lone legislator for blocking something like that, something that's needed and we've been waiting for. But on the other hand, I think there ought to be more attention paid and even criticism given to all those that left. Why not stay in? You know on the job until you get that vote taken in person the way it should be done before you go off on your on your holiday? Well, you know, it could have been a miscalculation on the part of the leadership that they could uh, get this done. I mean, this, this is not unheard of. Um, when you've got uh, where you ha- what you had here was an agreement between uh, Republicans and Democrats in Congress and the White House on this disaster aid bill and what was in it. And, uh, you know, oftentimes what you see is at that point, uh, both chambers agree with it. Um, you know, the one chamber passes it, and the other um, can uh, just do it uh, quickly, and it's, it's off to the president because everybody has agreed to it. But um, the rules allow, um, require that unanimous consent to, to, to put it up for a, a voice vote, and, um, you know, that's, that's what happened, and um, you know you have uh, you have you know the lone, you know lone Republican saying in each a different one, um, but uh, making the argument that uh, while they should have voted on it before, uh, the full House uh, needs to to vote on this uh, and so forth. So it'll be delayed. It'll almost certainly pass uh, next week. Yeah, uh, but not seems before. like they just. They took too much for granted here, and it's just caused a further delay. We're talking with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. All right, so this feud uh, between the president and and Nancy Pelosi, is it going to 
seriously threaten or is it already seriously threatening the chances of USMCA passing? Well, that, that was a little hard to tell. It's certainly the president saying he's not um, going to do infrastructure, um, but, you know, that was, that, was a, that was a heavy lift anyway in a, in a long shot. Um, you know, even closer we get to the presidential election, the, the longer shot it is. It's, uh, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest in doing uh, USMCA, uh, NAFTA 2.0. Uh, there's a group of uh, staff from the House Ways and Means Committee um, heading down, which is the Committee of Jurisdiction for the agreement, which is heading down to Mexico next week to look at uh, look at their progress on labor labor reforms. That's a you know critical issue for Democrats. Um, we've had we've had this uh, discussion of Democrats saying and, and Speaker Pelosi saying they need some changes in the text of the agreement itself. Uh, Mexico was saying, no, we're not renegotiating this. And then, you know, hearing Democrats say, well, we don't have to really renegotiate the treaty, but there could be some tweaks, um, tweaks made. So it's, it's, it's really unclear what is gonna, gonna satisfy them. And the other thing is that you, you get a different answer depending on which Democrat you talk to. And, of course, there'll be the threat by the president, I'm sure, to withdraw from the current NAFTA if Congress doesn't pass USMCA. So this could be a really bumpy ride with a lot on the line as we as we progress uh, into the summer on this. All right, uh, uh, Phil, before we let you go, um, as we check some of the other things that uh, are very much in play right now, and that uh, the latest trade aid payments, we have the announcement, but we're still waiting on a county payment rate. Are you hearing any? What are they saying around Washington D.C. on on this whole uh, approach and uh, how they're going to figure all this out? Well, there's still a lot of questions. There's a lot of question around the issue of preventive uh, planning, as you know, with this huge delays in uh, planning uh, through the Midwest and in Plains. Um, there's uh, you, you're hearing uh, a lot of talk about uh, that USDA just just can't restrict these payments to planted acreage that they they needed they need to consider extending them to uh, uh, prevent plant acres as well um, been no indication that the department is going to budge on that but uh, they have they have really not said uh, a whole lot um, and of course you know the payment rates that's a whole other whole other issue I uh, probably heard uh, house agriculture, Chairman Colin Peterson say uh, they told us that he tried to talk the department out of uh, into waiting for a couple of weeks so they didn't uh, inject more uncertainty in the, into the planning decisions, but that's uh, that didn't happen, and so that's where we are. Yeah, and Colin Peterson will be on with us tomorrow, and that will be one of the things that uh, we'll be talking about. Uh, the the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, yesterday said he thought uh, the prevent plant acres should be included in in that trade aid package too. Yeah, his argument is that uh, the the trade war has reduced the the revenue guarantee on the insurance uh, on the insurance policies, therefore uh, reducing the amount of prevent planting coverage you get. So. That's his argument that um, um, that yeah, prevent planted acres should also be uh, also be covered by MSP because they are well. We'll see it as well. 
We'll see if they budge on that or not. Uh, wow, still a lot of questions hanging out there. All right, Phil, thanks a lot, and we'll keep an eye on this disaster package. Thank you very much. Okay, great to be here. Thanks. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Well, we did get a significant court ruling on waters of the U.S. Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation will fill us in on that ruling and what it means moving forward towards getting a new waters of the U.S. rule. That's coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance, too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. Immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, a federal judge in Texas has struck down the Obama administration's Waters of the U.S. rule, saying EPA violated administrative procedures during the rulemaking process, and the judge sent the rule back to EPA for further work rather than vacating it. Let's get uh, an explanation of all this from Don Parrish, Senior Director of Regulatory Relations for the American know the judge in Texas. Well, I want to start out that it provides some real strong vindication for us that, that you know, that 15, uh, there were some real problems with it, not only with the specifics of the rule, but this judge, you know, stopped short of finding that. He basically said the EPA didn't do their job right when they promulgated this rule, and that's, that's, that's vindication for us for sure. But the fact that he didn't vacate it means the rule is still in the books and what, about half the states, uh, uh, it, we have this mixed bag out there. So we're still dealing with that old rule. Uh, we are. We're very hopeful that this is the first of a, maybe a number of other court cases that are going to be coming down the, down the line. We are hopeful that these other court cases are going to find that this rule um, you know, had some statutory problems, not just administrative problems. And it may be even constitutional problems. We've argued all of those. Um, those are still out there. We're hoping the, that those courts are going to come back. They're fully briefed in North Dakota and in South Georgia. And we've also been given every indication that this administration uh, is going to withdraw this 2015 rule uh, sometime this summer. And, you know, the quicker they can get that done or these, court, these other courts can rule, the better off our farmers and ranchers are going to be. Okay, now this gets kind of confusing. We have this old rule that's still in place in some parts of the country even though the judge rules against it it's still in place uh so we wait to see as you said does the administration pull that one that we got a proposed new rule out there what where does it stand and how how do these two things work together then well the good news is that this administration has done its homework uh they've taken comments on on a rule to repeal the 2015 rule this this obama rule that the court said was was problematic uh they've also taken comment on on a new rule to replace that rule so so this administration has kind of done its homework uh we're kind of waiting for them to make sure that they dot every i and cross every t and is is this ruling indicates the administration has to do that but you know, again, we're just kind of sitting here waiting and hoping that, that something's going to happen very soon because, you know, we agree here at the Farm Bureau having about half the states implementing a rule that, that we believe is, is not only illegal from a process standpoint, but illegal from a statutory standpoint uh, is a bad deal, uh, particularly a bad deal for those states that are implementing it. Well, of course, the big criticism of the 2015 rule is it, it broadened the powers. It was an overreach by the government and allowed them to have jurisdiction over, over areas that would only have water a, a short period of time and not normally there. Well, that's the case in a lot of places this year. So under that old rule, wouldn't that allow the government really to take jurisdiction over a lot more ground? 
you know what? I we're very concerned about how broad the 2015 rule uh, was. We're very concerned that that ditches and rainwater and you know the things that we're seeing out there on the landscape across the Midwest right now. We're very concerned about how those could be interpreted. Uh, again, the the case or the judge in South Texas, Judge Hanks. Uh, he alluded to that. He said parties and farmers shouldn't have to parse through vague references of things like tea leaves or things like tea leaves just to know what the agency's uh, going to do in terms of the regulatory authority. This year, and the amount of rain we've had in the in the Midwest or around the country, you know, clearly show that it's going to be very difficult for farmers to know what is in under the the regulation of the 2015 rule and what is out. We hope. Uh, that this new rule is going to be provide a lot more clarity, and we think it will. Yeah, because we've had examples and cases where you know water was at some place a short period of time. The government come in, comes in and says, "All right, we have jurisdiction over that because of this rule." Well, I mean, that is so widespread this year. Have, have you heard of any cases where the government's come in and tried to? Uh, to claim jurisdiction over that or, or claim that's a wetland because it's flooded this year or something like that? Uh, Mike, we're we're still having reports and information come in. We were meeting with a number of our state farm bureaus last week, and, and everybody is on high alert. Uh, at this point, we have not had any specific um, uh, indications that that is being done, but, but we're on high alert and we're looking for that uh, very closely. I know that we had several states indicate that they're still having issues with with the core claiming jurisdiction over conservation practices. That you know, regardless of whether or not they're voters or not, even in they should be exempt under the Clean Water Act. And so we're still seeing problems out there, uh, particularly in states like California. But for the most part, we're we know that most for the most part. Uh, the Corps and EPA are implementing the law, but they're not being they're not being draconian. They're trying to work with farmers through the process, and farmers are doing everything they can to avoid Clean Water Act jurisdiction as it's as as it is being implemented right now. You know, kind of in this this patchwork process. We're talking with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Now, Don, I realize a lot of EPA employees are career employees, and they're there through ch- changes in administration. But still, if you have an administration and an EPA now that is doesn't like that 2015 rule and is trying to change it, it would seem maybe they would be less apt to be real strict about enforcing a rule that they don't like in the first place. Uh, that would seem natural, but but they are public servants and they are having to implement the law that is the law in those states. So expect you know, the agencies to kind of, you know, call the shots as they have to call them because right now we do have a patchwork. We're trying to trying to eliminate that patchwork as quickly as, as we can, and I know the administration is working through a process to make that happen. But, you know, I, I'm just going to recommend to your listeners, you know, don't do anything that, that would be questionable. Uh, make sure that they they consult USDA, make sure they consult the Corps, make sure they consult uh, EPA if they think they need a permit. We don't want, you know, we don't want close calls. Uh, we want to we want to move into a new rule in a way that that you know provides clarity and certainty. 
we don't want to we don't want to create situations right now where where there's you know could create significant criminal or civil penalties for farmers and ranchers because this administration has to implement the rules that are on the books. All right, so we've had this ruling by a Texas judge. You alluded to a couple of others uh, we're waiting on. Uh, do we have any kind of an idea of a timetable on how this could play out? You know what? We're just thankful that we have this ruling in hand now. Uh, we're, we know for sure that the cases have been briefed in both North Dakota and South Georgia. Uh, we're, we're, we're hopeful that, that those two courts will look a little more uh, deeply into the rule and the flaws of the rule because we do believe the rule is invalid or should be invalidated because it, it does go beyond what was statutorily authorized. So, you know, we're hopeful in that area. Those cases have been briefed. You know, we could see we could see something handed down from those those courts at any time. All right. You know, I, I've mentioned this before, but I think back to the uh, last presidential election, and many farmers said this was their number one issue in, in that election. That seems like a long time ago, and a lot of other issues have come along that are very big and have kind of push this one back, but that's still a critical issue, and that's why we need to keep up to date on it. Thanks, Mike, and I agree. This this is one that we're, we're going to continue to bird dog all throughout this process. Uh, Farm Bureau is is listening to our members. We're also trying to work with this administration to make sure that that whatever is done, you know, when they they announce a final rule to either withdraw this this 2015 rule or replace the rule at some point, um, that we're we're there to try to help farmers understand how to comply with the rule, how to obey the law, and yet you know be protective of water quality. But we want those rules to be clear and understandable so that farmers can comply. All right, Don. Thanks for the update. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don told me right after the uh, the last presidential election, he said, you know, when and President Trump was talking about, even President-elect Trump was talking about doing away with waters of the U.S., I remember Don telling me it'll be a long process. It just doesn't happen overnight, and that is certainly proving to be very true. The process continues. Another step in the in that direction with this uh, recent court ruling. All right, market reaction to delayed planting. Big decisions ahead for many farmers. Many of them making those decisions right now as uh, those key prevent plant dates come and go. We'll talk about it all with Steve Nicholson with Bravo Agrifinance next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So we just talked with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Obviously, they are ecstatic that the uh, metal tariffs on Canada and Mexico have been lifted. We can talk about that as well with Colin Woodall for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, this was looked at as a, a must-have to get USMCA moving forward, and I know you at NCBA are happy to have uh, those tariffs lifted. We're extremely happy to see these tariffs lifted. Now, we're in a little bit different shape from our friends in the pork industry because they were really getting hammered with the tariffs. But we were also, though, however, really pushing to try to get these tariffs taken down because we knew if we wanted to have a chance of getting a vote on USMCA, the tariffs were going to have to be a part of this deal. So the fact that this is done uh, earlier is, I think, going to be overall very beneficial to uh, the process of getting a vote and finally passing USMCA and putting this chapter behind us. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 
Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. July corn futures continue to rise on this Thursday as wet weather continues to dominate headlines after corn's rally took a bit of a breather yesterday. Grain traders not put off by an overnight Bloomberg News report that Chinese state grain buyers have been ordered by the Chinese government to stop buying American soybean supplies amid escalating trade tensions. Some traders say they haven't been anyways. Corn futures jumping 14% so far in May, the rally marking a turnaround after a year-long downturn in prices. July corn erased big intraday gains yesterday to close near the session lows. Yesterday we approached but did not touch major chart resistance at the May 2018 high of 445. An hour into Thursday's trade, July corn at 4.27, up eight cents. December up eight and three quarters at 4.44 and a half. July soybeans up eight at 8.80 a bushel. November 9.06 and a half. That's up eight cents. Chicago wheat July up five and three quarters at 4.96 and a quarter. Kansas City July up three and a half at 4.56 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat, a little defensive. July down a penny, trading at 547 and three quarters of a cent. Livestock at the Merck and Lean Hog Futures, more minus signs after yesterday's rally. July Lean Hogs down a dollar thirty at 86.50. June live cattle, 25 cents higher at 112.60. August down 15 at 107.70. Feeder cattle, August contract down 65 at 142.07. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 58, S&P up 11. July crude oil in New York near unchanged at 58.80. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem... Seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. Can be part of this battle too. Visit standuptocancer.org to learn more. Together we can save lives. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, thanks for being with us. Well, we wondered how, for a long time, when would the markets finally realize we have a serious planting delay and situation here? Well, they're finally uh, kind of taking the hit. We're seeing them react. How much more reaction do you think we're going to see, given we're about to go into June? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Uh, yes, uh, it has been a monstrous month, if you look a if you look at December corn alone, we've had nearly a dollar rally from the lows. 
Uh, if you look at yesterday's high, which was then it was pretty close to the today's high, so you're almost talking a buck rally. So you've the market is recognized for sure, um, and beans are starting to say, have the same concern as well. Um, you know, we've looked at this a couple different ways today, uh, or in the last week, and it kind of depends on how you want to classify it. And, and we looked at, you know, you look at a '93 type flood. And you know, and, as, and we know that some of the areas in the Corn Belt are are reaching levels, are reaching 1993 levels, which were extremely troubling. And we, our heart goes, our heart and thoughts go out to those folks, obviously. Um, and you look at the the reduction in corn acres, which is about 7.7 million acres. Uh, you look at what happened to yields that year um, are different than this year because we're, you know, they those rains came in June and July, as we remember all too well. Um, and so that's what really harmed yields that year. And I don't know that we're at that point where yields are going to get harmed that much yet, although we're going to see some reduction yields, potential yields. You start to look at those numbers, and you're talking about, you know, we did our modeling, and you look at cash prices that get a pretty big number in front of them. And you see national average cash prices, you know, up over $6 and maybe above 650 And so I, and I hesitate to go, but that's probably a worst-case scenario. Um, we also looked at 2013, and when you look at that, and you say, and that was, and the reason we picked that year was because that was the that was the the most prevent plant corn acres. I hope I get all those all those nouns out right. It was 3.7 million acres, and so you look at that silver situation, and you look at cash corn prices are really now, you know, about in that 425 to 450 area, you know, national average corn price. So we're, you know, we're not in that area yet because basis levels are still pretty sloppy or pretty wide. Um, certainly, futures have reached those levels, but we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, you know, I think the cash market has some catching up to do if we get to those to get to those levels. <laughs> Excuse me, futures have certainly recognized that, and so, you know, I think there is some upside here. But I, you know, and I, I say all this, and I also want to kind of put a little caution out there: is that, you know, let's think about what what this means and let's think about three weeks ago if if i had told anybody three weeks ago if i told myself three weeks ago that you know there was going to be a four in front of that december contract you would have sold me all the corn you could as fast as you could and then some because you and you you probably said if we could just get a four back in front of that futures number i'd sell some corn and here's the opportunity and i and i think you know when a market reacts whether it's selling or buying you the the opposite party has to be ready to do it. And there's a market that says, you know, I need to buy corn, and I'm willing to buy it, and I'm willing to buy it at a higher level. And I think for producers, here's an opportunity that we can't let go by. And, and the question is, if it was fine to sell it three weeks ago, why has it changed now? And I know what the answer is going to be, but I certainly would, you know, to use the compliance current coaching, is that here's an opportunity that we have to use. And can we lock in positive margins? And if you can, you should not walk away from that. We've got all these factors. Now, we know yep. some prevent plant dates for some areas already have passed. Others are right. coming up. Right. So you've got those decisions. Now, in some cases, the decision's made for you. If you look out at your field and it's underwater, uh, that yeah. that decision has, has been made. But you've got now where you're, you're in that maybe – hanging yeah. on to hope uh, so you got all these things you you got a higher price so you're thinking well well i'm going to try to you know get something planted with that price going up you've got 
the unknown of what's the county rate going to be. You know, you got to plant to get the, the market facilitation yep. payment. I mean, right. uh, do you, are you going to switch uh, corn acres to bean acres, or uh, can you find shorter season varieties uh, for if you are going to plant corn? You, are those hybrid numbers available out there? I mean, it just it's just unprecedented. It seems like all these uh, things weighing over farmers and their decisions right now. Absolutely, and I, you've laid them all out very well. I mean, it, it's just, you know, planting is always a tough season. It's a busy season. There's a lot of decisions to be made because things change, you know, in that very short period of time. And now you add on, you add on in tariff situation, you add in the weather, which is always a challenge. You add in MFP, and you add in prevent plant. And it's like, which direction do you go, and what do you do next? We've had quite a bit of discussion about this, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to start kind of at the back end and talk about MFP, too, if we want to call it that. We don't know anything about what those county county rates are going to be. And you are right. We have to plant a crop to get them. But here, I just did some, you know, some people might call it cowboy math. Someone might call it uh, back of the envelope math. But if we take the number of principal crop acres this year from planting attentions, it was 315 million-plus acres, divide that into 16 million acres or $16 billion dollars, that number is around 50 bucks an acre, okay? So, and and then we probably need to discount that as well because you're going to pull out 1.4 for surplus purchases. You're going to pull out some so many billion or you know billion or whatever for dairy. Um, so now you're under you're certainly under 16 billion dollars right off right off the bat. So that number that 50 dollars an acre that back of the envelope, you know that gets diminished pretty quickly. And I had I was talking to someone and we were talking about. Um, looking at a county and saying, okay, if the county is, you know, 65% corn, 35% beans, and you take, you know, that rate times last year's MFP bushel numbers, you're talking 30, 35 bushels an acre. So it's not probably going to be a very big number. And so, you know, our counseling, I think, is let's set that aside. And if you get that, that is just gravy or a bonus that you can you can do whatever you want. But don't change your plans because of the MFP program. You know, the prevent plan is going to be a lot more lucrative, and it probably is probably the wrong term to use, and someone's going to say, well, that's just the way farmers are, you know, collecting money from the taxpayers. But, you know, this is crop insurance. We've paid for this. We've put premiums in for this, and we've paid for this prevent plan. That's going to be a, a lot more dollars per bushel, and I think that's what that's the decision you have to make is do you plant it um, hoping for a crop, or do you, do you say, particularly if it's underwater or if it's extremely what you can't get in, Take the prevent plant and go home and move on and you know live for another you know live for another year to farm. So I think the government program to set aside. But yeah, it it is difficult. Uh, I think the other thing is because there's so much risk here, and you know, can we get a can you get the crop in? Let alone can you will will it come up because it's just so wet? And I you know replant everything else it's this is tough this is a very very tough decision for people yeah we have questions you know what will those fields that have been planted or will get planted what will they yield uh i mean those are questions that we won't know the answers to for quite some time and you know we talk a lot about these prevent plant acres and we say well a farmer's gonna will have to take that those are not easy decisions either it's not easy for a farmer not to plant and then there's also going to be all those acres uh, that will have to be cared for in some way during the course of the year, right? I mean, you just because just you don't plant them doesn't mean you just ignore them all year. No, that's right. I mean, in the, I've already I've talked to producers and bankers in the past. I mean, I've talked to bankers and producers at, you know, just almost seemed like constantly the last two weeks. And they've already said now those acres that haven't been planted yet, 
you know, they're seeing wheat pressure come up already. Uh, they're seeing that green, you know, you can kind of see that green haze across the field. So, yeah, it's not like you just walk away from the acre. Now, it's underwater. That's a whole other story. But, you know, you're probably going to have to have some care and feeding of, those, of that ground um, to get ready for next year. Uh, because you don't want to imp- you don't want to improve the weed uh, pressure that you may already have, you know. So that's and that's just one decision. So there is going to and there is a cost to maintain that land because yes. you've got taxes, you've got you probably do have to do some care and fee in that ground to get ready, you know, keep it re- good for this year and ready for next year. So I mean, there's there's lots of different things going on there for sure. All right, right. so it's we, not an easy decision. It's yep, not, and and all this going on here at the same time now. Um, we're looking at probably, I mean, when you look at the these low percentages uh, on planting, I mean, yeah. it's just, you just know all these acres aren't going to get planted. And, nope. uh, I mean, we're going to be looking at this huge amount of unplanted ground. Uh, so how do you see the markets as we move forward? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen on those trade things, uh, but just nope. looking at from a production side, how do you see this playing out this year? Yeah, I, I do see, and I'm going to focus on corn because that's, I, I hate to say it's the easiest because it's not, but it's its the one. I just, we probably are going to have record prevent plant on corn this year. I, I wish I could tell you what that number is. I don't know, but I'm very concerned it could be a very high number, and we get a very, very tight supply and demand uh, balance sheet for, 19, for yeah, 1920, um, which is going to demand, which is going to demand, that's, I shouldn't use that word twice, it's going to require uh, demand rationing on the, which is going to move prices higher um, to get that because you can't, you know, the, the ethanol is mandated, so that number is probably not going to change all that much. Might change a little bit. You bring stocks down on ethanol probably. You know, you've got FSI is going to be pretty stable probably. Uh, exports are where the big cuts going to come because prices of corn in the United States are going to be high, and that will be competitive on the world market. Uh, and then you do feed and residual, and so your biggest chunk is going to come out of feed and residual. But at the same time there, you know, the livestock industry, you know, we've looked at cattle and feed continues to climb. Uh, just as one example, the livestock industry is geared up for this whole Asian swine fever um, situation. So you've got high numbers of livestock out there that have to be fed. So, right. you know, it's going to cost a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be expensive. one of those things. Higher prices don't do you a lot much good if you don't have any crop to, to sell that's, so that's going to be part of the, the yep, frustration of this year. yeah thanks exactly. steve a lot of frustration thanks mike uh-huh steve nicholson with robo agrofinance a planting update next here on aoa hi this is mike adams you're listening to aoa adams on agriculture don't go away right up okay men this is your time maybe you didn't choose this but you're here now you're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver it's up to you so what are you gonna do you're gonna go grocery shopping cook clean be there emotionally and physically you gotta dig deeper drive them to physical therapy doctor's appointments don't you forget about the pharmacy no you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. 
Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Data is data is data. Unless you work with FS, then your data comes with expert insight. Tapping into a wide range of technologies through my field, your FS crop specialist evaluates trial data from your farm, along with only the most qualified aggregated data that reveals trends in your area. With my field, your FS crop specialist delivers the insights you need to build your ROI. Learn how results from FS nitrogen trials can be applied to your farm at fsmyfield.com. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... U.S. agriculture celebrates the lifting of metal tariffs against Mexico and Canada. That includes the U.S. dairy industry, part of that celebration. Joining us now is Shauna Morris, Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. Tell us the impact of those tariffs on U.S. dairy exports. And now that they are, are lifted, give us an idea of what that now means moving forward for U.S. dairy producers. We're absolutely elated that we finally have a resolution on this issue. The Mexican retaliatory tariffs on our cheese exports have been a heavy hang, particularly in terms of companies' certainty with their most important export market in Mexico and the resulting slowback to farmers that have been forced to bear the brunt of 20 to 25 percent retaliatory tariffs on those products over the last uh, several months here since last summer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? 
People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We continue to, of course... uh, Watch the weather and the forecast still calling for, uh, you know, depending on where you're at, more rains uh, here for maybe another week or so. But as uh, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson told us yesterday, he thinks after the about another week, we get to um, that second weekend in June, he thinks we may start seeing uh, things hopefully uh, take a turn for the better for us uh, throughout much of the Midwest. So we're kind of hoping for that. But in the meantime, it is a struggle. Let's uh, check in with Gene Millard in the St. Joe, Missouri area. Gene, thanks for being with us. Uh, what's uh, What are conditions in your area? Uh, morning, Mike. Well, I'll tell you what, they are really high. I, uh, the Platte River is over Highway 6, just east of my house and roadblock. Uh, I went down to Highway 36, and it's on both sides of the four lane there, and it is just flooded as far as you can see. Somebody, somebody reports around this whole area, not just in the Missouri River Valley, which is obviously flooded, but even some small towns that normally never think about it, like Albany, Missouri, the Grand River flooded. Trenton, Missouri, Grand River flooded. Chillicothe, Grand River flooded. It, it all drains down to central Missouri, with Carrollton is flooded. I mean, it's just water. And even if you're on top of the hill like we are, uh, everything is totally saturated. And so, you know, we had a wet basement in our house, and we're on top of the ridge uh, because it's just total saturation and moisture coming off. It's uh, pretty wet. Yeah, you don't have to be right next to a river to experience flooding because everything creeks anything feeding towards the river they're out so you're gonna you're gonna get it too so how much uh how much planting have you got done there in in the saint joe area well i think we were fortunate back in about the 17th to the 23rd or whatever of april that we got a lot of planting done and in our case we got all of our corn in then and and got maybe a third of the soybeans planted in that window but there's been very little happened since. Uh, in the month of May, we had four hours and 30 minutes that we were able to get in the field. Mm. And that's wow. not very much, you know, to get some beans started. I checked with a couple of guys yesterday that, you know, pretty much know the territory uh, all over northwest Missouri. And they say maybe 80% of the corn is planted. 20% of that is looking pretty thick. Maybe need to be replanted if that's the choice. Uh, maybe, maybe 25%, 30% of the beans are planted, but there's just a lot that's not planted, and there's just an opportunity to get sprayed, so weed control is going to be kind of an issue. Are you uh, hearing a lot about the farmers taking prevent plant? That's certainly a part of the discussion. Uh, 
anybody up and down the flooded Missouri River, that's the only option they have. And it's a case of not really whether you want to choose to prevent plants. If Mother Nature is going to tell you that by the, about the Fourth of July, if it's not planted, you are prevented. I mean, that's the end of the story. There's so many guys I hear that have food uh, corn contracts that are faced with replants, but they've got the contracts in place, so they're almost forced to go back and try to get, you know, that crop replanted and or planted uh, to fulfill those contracts they've got in place. So that's that's just another dynamic to the picture, but. Um, we're concerned that that uh, with the China trade situation and any inclination to switch any acres to soybeans, that's just going to create pressure on the soybean market. Now, what do you think of the market facilitation payment announcement and the fact that you have to plan to to get that? Uh, what was your reaction to that? We don't know the details, and mm-hmm. you know, uncertainty is just the enemy of good decisions. And I don't think we've got near enough information to make a decision one way or the other. Mother Nature is going to be more of a controlling factor than whatever government program somebody might dream up. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, we got hit with a severe drought last year. We're exactly the opposite this year. And so, you know, it's just a, a case where there's just one more dynamic in the, in the question mark. I mean, should they be full-pricing corn right now at $4 Twenty cents cash. Well, they've been able to do that for three or four years. It's kind of like 2015, Mike. In, in this area, 2015, one side of the highway had went prevent plant, got nothing planted. On the other side of the highway, they were able to scratch in a little bit and get planted by the Fourth of July. And so it's just that kind of a situation. I think this year again. Yeah, and your area, and you alluded to this, your area has gone from one extreme to another. You suffered through drought last year and now flooding this year. Right. The other interesting report I got a call from the grounders yesterday said, have you checked for army worms? There's some been reported about 10 miles north of your place. Well, holy cow, we don't need one more thing to go out and scout for. But, you know, with the grass so lush and, uh, you know, you can't really find a cow out in the pasture anymore. And so uh, they're, they're very likely to be be you know some kind of pressures like armyworms but you know those are manageable as long as you kept them early enough you ever seen a year like this mm, probably just don't want to think about it and just don't want to think about it yeah. <laughs> a lot of comparisons well is this worse than uh, 2011 well they said yeah that's worse than 11 is it worse than 03 uh well yeah it's getting right there and maybe back to 65, you know, a lot of times our memories don't go back far enough and we try to forget it. Yeah, and there are a lot of things about this one I think people will want to forget too. But right now they have to deal with it, some tough decisions for sure. Gene, thanks for the update and uh, hope uh, hope things improve for you there in the in the St. Joe area. Thanks a lot. You bet. Good luck at Illinois too. Thank you. Gene Miller, the farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area. It's just uh, this is such a widespread situation and uh, so many tough decisions and a lot to make and a lot of stress on everyone involved. So uh, we've got to take care of each other through this and be supportive 
and uh, we'll keep you updated as best we can on information uh, on these issues. Uh, tomorrow, we'll talk to a lot of these issues with the chairman of the House Ag Committee. Colin Peterson will join us. We'll get his thoughts on a lot of these things. That's coming up tomorrow right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.